Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are back in the studio here at Truth Renewed with uh, Speak the Truth podcast. Uh, we're continuing our uh, little mini series here with Colton. Continue this conversation in part two. Last podcast, we talked about um, basically Colton. Um, being introduced to this lifestyle, um, there was somebody uh, that brought it to him. He experienced it, and then basically, so if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, I would encourage you to to not listen to this one and go listen to that one. Uh, but uh, go back and listen to that one uh, where we just basically Colton was able to really share uh, just just the reality of his experience growing up, um, how confused we had this analogy of. As he as he put it very well, just this idea of uh, being presented with a dead tree and convincing our convincing yourself that there's life in that tree and you dress it how you want to and it's like this you get to construct who you are sort of thing and so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that as it relates to our identity uh, before his identity in Christ and so really in this particular episode we want to continue that conversation and so before we jump in Colton how you doing man doing very well. Good, man. Glad to have you back. And uh, as we continue our conversation, man, and I, I really appreciate you being able to come out and, uh, and and share this because, again, as I was as we were talking about previous episode that, uh, man, this this obviously these topics, gender, sexuality here, we continue to talk about a, you know, a pandemic with COVID and stuff. But uh, just the these issues in our culture that continue to try to push this narrative um, to even to the point where the church is is being hoodwinked into believing mm-hmm. that. Uh, God's on that side of history. Indoctrinated. Yeah, indoctrinated. Yeah. yeah. And so um thank you for just being able to to actually speak against that narrative as someone who came from that narrative, mm-hmm. right? In, in a sense before Christ. And so without uh, any further delay, we want to continue. And in this particular episode, we're going to get into where um Colton actually got to the point where he was um, beginning to embrace this lifestyle and um, started to go uh, meet with uh, some friends uh, from school. And then I'll let him tell it. And then we're going to kind of wrap up um, this episode with uh, what it was coming to Christ and kind of what life is like. Colin, you want to pick up? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, last thing we talked about uh, was senior year, that summer going into senior year. Ironically, and this is God's sovereign hand at work, ironically, the same time that I was embracing this and coming out to this identity, making it my own, shackling myself to to this way of life. Ironically, I was feeling liberated in that, but God was also pulling me into community. It sounds very weird. It, even even living it out at the time, it was a peculiar thing that can only be attested to. You can only attest God's sovereignty to it, but um, I started coming to this Bible group, this Bible study group um, every Sunday. I got This asked, is where our son comes in the picture. Yeah, this is where your son comes in the picture. Um yeah, so I had gotten invited to this Bible study group earlier senior year, but I wasn't a believer, was struggling with my identity, and I also worked on sun- on Wednesdays. So I was like, nope, not, I'm not going to that. Thank you, though. Circumstances, you know, took place, transpired, whatever. And, um, and eventually I found myself coming to this group and really enjoying it, really enjoying the people there. The way I looked at it, it was like free food with cool people, and we talked about <laughs> yeah. Jesus a little bit. That's what that's what the church tries to pull us yeah. off, uh, you know, on campus on Wednesday, and it worked. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, it kind yeah. of worked this yeah. time. This time it worked, yeah. and so I just really enjoyed the people there. The um, my friend who whose parents was they were, whose parents were hosting it. 
um every wednesdays at their house they, Frenches. yep mike and erica french um they were just very warm and inviting and um unlike any christians i had seen before I saw true faith in them. And of course, the fruit of true faith is love. And so I saw that. So around the same time I was coming out to people in my family, I went ahead and came out to this group of, of believers about two or three weeks coming to the, into coming into this group. I honestly, not knowing them very well, was half expecting them. And, and I don't mean this hatefully or that I expected the worst from them, but I, it would have made sense if they asked me not to come back. It's a Bible study group. In my mind, I was kind of prepared for them to be like, okay, well, I don't think this is the best fit for you. But instead, what they met me with was total love and love the way scripture commands us to love, saying we love you and we care about you. Yeah, there's you. a distinction there. There is a serious <laughs> distinction. Yeah. We love you and we care about you. And if this is the only bit of the, go- if this in this house is the only place you're going to get the gospel, you're more than welcome here. And in fact, we encourage you to come here. Please come here every Wednesday. But- we do not accept your sin. We do not support it. And we would want nothing more than for you to come to Christ and to deny yourself, take up your cross, and part of that being completely do away with that identity. That's no, That would be no longer you. That's our goal. And they made that very clear from the very beginning. So didn't it get to a point where, I mean, even among the group, not just, uh, you know, the, the owners of the house who had the group, right, because mm-hmm. their daughter was in it, but just among, you know, the, the, the kids at the time where it got to this point where you were like, okay, um, they don't accept me or my lifestyle. And then kind of like, mm-hmm. as you just stated, like what, what was kind of like that pivotal moment outside of what you know, the French has shared? Um, there were, there were quite a few, um, for a while I kind of hung up that truth on like in the corner and ignored it for a while until years went by and I was doing life with these people. They meant the world to me and I was having to with that, come to grips with the fact that there's going to be big things in my life that they're not going to want to be a part like of. Like what specifically? Um, like a wedding, for uh. example, a husband. You know, of course, when I was in my sin, you know, of the world apart from Christ, I want to be married one day. I want to marry a man. Yeah. And um, and one of the biggest conversations I had was actually with y'all's son and my best friend. And this was long before I came to Christ. And I asked him and I also asked a few other people in the, in the group. I asked him if I had a wedding, would you be there? And I remember this conversation because of how difficult it was for him being so strongly tied to Christ, such a good, even at the time, young man in Christ t- telling me, no, I'm not going to be. I love you. I love you so much. But no, I can't be a part of that chapter of your life if you were to do that. It, in order to truly love you the way Christ commands me to, I couldn't walk into that environment and pretend to be supportive. That wouldn't be loving. So no, I love you. You're are my best friend, but I I can't do that. What 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 did that do to you in the moment? It was hard, of course. It did a lot. It, it gave me something to think about, even if I, in the moment it didn't. Um, it definitely was something I marinated on for a long time, and then when God really started to work on my heart, of course that that file was one that I pulled out and really read over and thought over and meditated on, and God used that. I think more later than He did at the time to really really dig into my heart mm, man i it's funny because um there's several people that i have known over the years where that particular issue came up where they were faced with you know if i got married would you come to my wedding and unfortunately when they said no that actually was kind of the extent of their relationship mm-hmm. so the fact that you you wrestled with that and you continue to go to the group so again at this particular point and juncture in your life and experience um what we captured last Uh, episode with kind of you, you know, struggling for several years with 
you know, the confusion, wrestling with all of that, and then beginning to embrace it. And it wasn't short after you embracing it that you actually were confronted with it again mm-hmm. through God's people mm-hmm. and seeing them reflect God in a way mm-hmm. uh, that actually had an impact on you. Um, and you alluded to this a moment ago that you had had this time um, in these conversations uh, a ways before you actually came to Christ. So now that you're a part of this group, you know where they stand, you continue to come to the group. At what point did you actually come to faith in Christ? Yeah, so so I started coming to the group, and a few years went by. I was in my lifestyle. They knew about it, and I knew what they wanted for me eventually, but didn't care. Um, hard conversations happened like we talked about, yada, yada, yada. Hard words, easy cheers. Yeah. <laughs> like comfortable um, cheers. So a few years went by, um, and I also want to emphasize before I move on to like Christ in, you know, him entering my life. I also want to touch too on really emphasize what we've already talked about, how important it was for the Christians around me, how two things worked in tandem. Like we talked about the love that they had, but that truth at the same time. Love and truth. So yeah, like you, you started four fifteen, baby. Yeah. You started, you, you talked about it. It's quite astonishing. A lot of people, those kinds of conversations into the relationship. Pretty much. But it was by God's sovereignty and grace that kept me there because it was up to that point. Like I said, I had done so much life with them and they had shown me so much grace, of course, that comes from the Lord. That grace that came from him was just pouring out from them. By the time these hard conversations were happening, I was already invested. Right. I I wanted to be a part of these people's lives. So I was anchored like the Lord in his in his grace had already anchored me through love, even though he hadn't touched my heart yet. So um, so we started we so a few years went by. I'm in my lifestyle and eventually I, I become this hollow shell. You know what I mean? I just I can't I was being sexual and I was doing this and doing this thing that fueled me for a while. And I couldn't anymore. Like there just wasn't satisfaction anymore. I couldn't I couldn't keep playing this game, playing you know, doing this fool's errand anymore. And. God used a lot of stuff all at the very same time over a period of a few months to challenge me on all levels. So my lifestyle, first of all, again, like I just said, just the shallowness of it all. But even apart from homosexuality, he started um, challenging me intellectually. Um, How do I make sense of things apart from him? morally intellectually started opening my eyes to that honestly it was hard conversations even with like liberal friends that started opening my eyes too we would get into conversations about morality and i would stick up for the things that i thought were correct and sometimes i would back people into like intellectual corners and they would have to basically concede and admit that i was right or whatever and then other times people would some people who are of the world will actually go through with their um philosophy and their worldview and eventually it gets it gets you to a point you can't justify anything so i was in this confusion here i am my identity i'm struggling over here with these things that used to fulfill me quote unquote but aren't anymore yeah intellectually i can't make sense of anything moral morally i can't make sense of anything and then in the group one um girl in group brie dustin's girlfriend started to come to faith she started that journey and um so now socially i'm being impacted because i'm very used to being really close with everybody like i'm the middleman with everybody i'm i have a unique relationship with every person i don't you know what i mean so but then there was this one thing this one topic that i couldn't get anywhere near brie also was one of the first people to come to group and she also came in as a non-believer. Now here she is coming to faith and people are rallying around her. And so socially I started getting challenged because, you know, made in the image of God, I was yearning for that fellowship. Right. But um, my flesh and the devil lied to me for a while and got me to think that, no, I'm just, I'm just jealous. I'm so used to being the middle man. I'm so used to being in the middle of everyone 
and now there's this one topic that I can't get near. You're just jealous. That doesn't make Christ any more real. So for a while, I I kind of ate those blows. I kind of took those punches for a little while and just uh, just kept walking. But that confusion kept piling up. Yeah. And by his grace, started giving me the understanding that I can't, again, that, that confusion cannot be remedied until I have a relationship with him. The lies kept piling on, and I kept trying to make my way through this ridiculous mess of a worldview until um, one day when Brie came to Christ and had she had got baptized. And um, that whole day, there, there was some in that moment when I saw the baptism happen and I saw the joy in her heart, there was something that the Lord shifted in my in my heart in that moment. And it was, um, and I knew in that moment, it wasn't a popularity contest that I was, you know, that I was losing this popularity contest. Bree's getting all the attention and I, no, that's not what it is. I want Christ. In that moment, there was no ignoring it. My soul was yearning, yearning for Christ. Not an identity in my sexuality, not in sex itself, not in any labels, not in um, feeling validated by people around me. I wanted Christ. The weightiness of that, though, was that the Christians around me did such a good job at loving me with, but with truth, like we talked about, that from the day I walked into the French household and I started coming to group, I knew that part of coming to Christ, the implication immediately was that you deny yourself. This sin would have to go, and not just homosexuality, anything. Right. Any baggage I have that isn't pleasing to God, I am to give to him. I knew that. I knew that even better than most Christians do nowadays. So even as a non-believer, I, I already, that was already in my mind. So now here I am, the Lord's tugging on my heart. I know what needs to be done. And so I, you know, the day goes on. We watch a sermon after the, after the baptism. And this preacher. I, t- <laughs> I didn't realize, I totally forgot that it was actually the same day that Brie got baptized, mm-hmm. that you came to faith yeah. in Christ, that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit did that regenerative work, you yeah. know, and you were justified in that moment, man. That's uh anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a, it was a big day. <laughs> it was a big day. Um, and for, and so we were watching the sermon, every little thing, it sounded like he was talking right to me. It was over. We were watching it. Uh, it was a sermon in Austin. We were watching it even before COVID times, uh, virtually and Holy spirit was aiming for me. Guns a blazing. Every little thing was just impacting my heart. Preacher saying things like if you're, wanting to take that step towards Christ, but you have that one thing that you're holding on to, or you have this, or you have that. Don't be scared. Don't, you know, just pray to him, reach out real quick, whatever. One thing after another, Holy Spirit was beating me down. Couldn't take it anymore. So I prayed and I said, um, and I said, Lord, because like I said, in that moment when she got baptized, I felt love and I felt the yearning for even more of that love. And so I asked the Lord if there's, if that you was. You can see that union with Christ. That yeah. was just so attractive. Yeah. And it was Talk like. Talk about a change in attraction, huh? Yeah, for real. For real. And so I asked him if there's anything keeping, whatever and everything that's keeping me from that, do away with. Help me do away with. And I remember feeling really, and this sounds, this sounds bad, but it really, I felt weak in a way. I felt, I felt my true nature. <laughs> Compared to the holiness of God, I oh, you mean felt that, that analogy that we were using of the, the tree, that yeah. fake dead tree, you realize like this brittle. is really dead. Yeah. Brittle and fickle and falling yeah. apart. That was me. Like when I was faced with his holiness and his love and I realized how small I was and that was okay for like the first time. The world doesn't want you to think you're weak. 
The wor- second Corinthians grace. Thanks, mm-hmm. Paul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The world doesn't want you, the world wants you to, like we talked about, take all of it, just run with all of this, this cloud, try holding on to it and make yours and you empower yourself. You make yourself feel strong. And what Christ was teaching me in that moment, you're not strong and that's okay. That's the point. And so he taught me that he showed me that. And in that moment, I couldn't not want it anymore. The Holy Spirit had changed my affections. The Holy Spirit had changed my heart and I wanted Christ. And there was no ignoring it anymore up to that point um, or beyond that point. So in a so, way, yeah. you, in a way then, Colton, if, if I'm understanding really the, the, the true extent of what you're saying is that you, you came to a place where Christ was enough and it was something that you wanted so bad that it was so satisfying because earlier you were talking about when you were practicing it, it was just, there was no satisfaction anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that now you had a new satisfaction and he was at that point, you were choosing him knowing that like, he's my identity. Mm-hmm. Like, but you also, would you say there was a change in, um, knowing the consequence of that identity? Cause it, and the, what I'm saying is I think a lot of us, whether it's homosexuality or what it, like you were saying that that pastor was sharing in that particular moment where it's like, if you're that person who has one thing that you like, can't let go of that's keeping you from coming to Christ and that sort of thing. We all have that thing, right? Whatever that mm-hmm. thing is. Um, but you acknowledge that I'm giving that up, but I'm changing one consequence of an identity for another. Mm-hmm. Would you, I mean, cause yeah. what, and we'll get into that here in just a moment. We're just, you know, after coming to Christ and cause it's been like two years since you've been a believer, but that's kind of more or less like what was going through your heart and mind of like knowing that, okay, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm making the switch. Yeah. He had reconciled that logic of creation, what the creative, the created order looks like man and woman. And coming to Christ, he, I'm so blessed in this. He had already given me that understanding. That was the implication. That was the weightiness of it. Coming to him was also acknowledging, not just, oh, you tell me not to do this, and I don't really know why, but it's whatever, and I'll follow you, I guess. It was, no, this is destructive, and this is not how I, this isn't how I intended it. And you are to give it up so that you can see the life that I do intend for you. So yeah, th- that was absolutely part of part of that is just seeing the consequences of that identity and wanting the consequences of an identity in Christ. The consequences, so to speak, the the fruit, the blessing, the and not that I it, not that the prosperity gospel, you know, God gives you everything you want when you come to Him. It was it was the heart. It was yeah. it was changing my affections, taking, I, I have a broken way of viewing this world. I had jumped through a million hoops all these years trying to find this happiness that was all in van, all vanity and striving after wind. He, I, in that moment, I'm seeing it. I need, I, there's a brokenness on how I'm viewing my life, how I'm trying to attain, quote, happiness. That's the issue. Lord, fix that in me. So, yeah, absolutely. Seeing the weightiness and the, the weightiness behind that identity, behind that new identity, the old one, which is was passing away in that moment and the new one that he was wanting to give to me. That's good. So um, just now taking on, you know, second Corinthians five seventeen, right. Becoming mm-hmm. a new creation in Christ and um, being spiritually speaking, a baby and trying to grow in Christ. What has that been like for you over the last two years? Uh, it's been a ride. It's been a ride, a humbling thing. It is. That's really what it's about is humility um, you can't help when you f- truly feel the weight of the gospel and the, the holiness of him, you have to be humbled. 
and to be in um, undefiled fellowship with him, you can't help but feel humbled, which is so important because um, it's a, there's always something, something that he's wanting to renew in your heart, something that he's wanting to do away with. When I first came to Christ, the way my the way I viewed my affections, I'm just not going to do it. You know, Paul talks about you know it's if it's it's better to even be single. I ignored the part for a while that said if you burn with lust. You know that part. I ignored that for a while. I just focus on the part um, where Paul says it's better to be single. You can devote your life to Christ better. You you know. Yeah. Um. So and it because it, it's a difficult thing to explain. First Corinthians seven. Yeah. Yeah. The difficult thing to explain. It was a. I knew God's intended purpose for man and woman, but the whirlwind of of events that had happened up to this point in my life that was a scary thing for whatever yeah. reason at the time. Um, and so for some time it was like, no, I'll just, I'll just be single. I don't have these affections. It's fine. I was a new believer, not, you know, on still on that spiritual milk. So this is my life and that's how it will be. And it started out as an innocent thing until later on it was more rebellious because I was realizing that I was resistant to anything else, to any alternative. I was resistant to the idea of God changing my heart and finding myself attracted towards women and maybe, um, having a family one day, I was resistant to all that. And so for a while, the the mindset was innocent until um, until I started resisting that heart change. And yeah, that caused problems. So all yeah, because you were say, convinced that it, it wouldn't change. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just again, it's just a hard thing to shake off when the yeah. world tells you to make idols of these things. Now, you don't directly use those words, but that's exactly what the goal is. That's the prerogative. Is take these things. That's who you are. That's who you are. So even though I was renewed in Christ, wanted nothing to do with the lifestyle anymore, completely letting, like completely going to the other side of the spectrum. Like that's a scary thing. And um, so, yeah, I wrestled with that for a while. No, it's interesting because, you know, obviously right now uh, what's happening in Canada, uh, what's happening in, even in states like Indiana, uh, it's not just in Canada, but, you know, in specific states, these things are beginning to happen where, uh, as it relates to conversion therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you can't, you can't, and, and unfortunately what's being proposed is so ambiguous mm-hmm. in general that, um, it could apply to non-licensed people, pastors, mm-hmm. parachurch ministries like this, where, um, that it could have, you know, adverse impact obviously. But what you're demonstrating in your narrative is it actually, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And not the con- not the conversion therapy that you know we don't want you to be gay. It's not this. It's it's just a heart change. It's identity. Um, and the thing is, is even to what you're saying too, and kind of like how you embraced it at the beginning, um, not homosexuality, but being a new believer and innocent with that, and thinking that you would be single, and um, you were just obviously taking it a day at a time. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I, I can't imagine just that process internally with what that would look like. But you know, the fact that you got to the point where it's like, if mm-hmm. I believe in Christ. The implications of believing in in obedience is X Y Z. So it really is what we call conversion therapy, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't when we're counseling. It's not like we don't just drive away at the homosexuality, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's so much deeper than that. That's that's just the beginning, right? Um, and I think that was something I wanted to go back to for a moment. Is the homosexuality piece is one thing, but as you grew in Christ and the old man was dying, and you're becoming this new man in Christ, this new creation in Christ, like it's so much deeper than your sexuality. Oh yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. and I think that's I think that's the issue with the narrative is that we're continuing even on the negative side of it. We're we're giving too much weight to sexuality. It's not about that. It's it's like no different than when we're uh, counseling a married couple 
And, you know, the, one of the biggest issues in their marriage is sex, Mm -hmm. you know, that there, you alluded to it earlier with, you know, idols that the culture is doing, but even, even when it comes to being a believer, things that are good gifts that scripture talks about that are great gifts that we can, we can basically elevate those things to an idolatry level. So I think it's interesting though, just how the correlations in what you're sharing and then just what we would ultimately, you know, teach and counsel people in sin. It's, it is sin, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I hate you. And I think that's obviously what the other side in their narrative is saying is that by saying that it's sinful, you're saying that God hates this person or, well, like, well, yeah, we got to do business with what God hates, but you can't, you can't effectively talk about the reality of sin and understand grace. <laughs> if there's anything that you've talked about in last part and in this part that's been, you know, demonstrated is the grace that God has mm-hmm. and you acknowledging God's grace in that. Right. And so I just, I think it's interesting though, just how you've shared those things that, so for those of you who are listening and, and just kind of thinking through what Colton, you know, is sharing and his own personal testimony of this is that, you know, what's happening all across the world, you know, specifically, as I mentioned in Canada and then even in Indiana right now, that we have to, we have to fear God, not man. And if there's anything that this testimony of Colton's is sharing is that, We've got to be true to God's word, that the gospel uh, calls us to do exactly what you experienced in that group. And what's amazing to me is it happened in the Gen Z generation, Mm -hmm. that God's doing a work in the next generation that they want truth. They don't want these pithy little messages that make people feel good, and they want truth. How does the gospel actually apply to my life? And if it makes me uncomfortable, so be it. And I think of another thing that your testimony demonstrates too is that when you're confronted with the truth, you got to deal with the truth. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. we want to do it in love, which is obviously what you demonstrated and what your experiences has been. Um, and that would be my encouragement to those of you who are listening and you find yourself and you know, in your workplace or wherever you find yourself socially among other people and just that, that other narrative that is that is at work. Um, just be reminded of Colton's testimony and, and his story um, that really demonstrates the antithesis of that narrative. So just uh, in closing, Colton, um, and I, I would absolutely love to, to have you back, obviously, again, just to follow up, but um, what would be some of your, your, closing, uh, your closing comments and thoughts uh, to those who are listening, who maybe have friends or family who are struggling with this, or they have family members, um, or, or even parents with their kids, you know, and um, they're Christians, and their kids are coming to them and saying, you know, I mean, we've had we've had crazy we've had crazy uh, inquiries of people and and parents and their kids coming to them and and asking for um, just really really ridiculous things because they feel like men or they feel like women, you know, and and they want to change their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's obviously difficult and these families don't know what to do. There's not, you know, unfortunately the church right now isn't doing a lot to help these, 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 these families and pastors are really, um, are, are really struggling, uh, to, to have these conversations. How would you encourage those conversations? I don't know. I look at the, uh, evangelical church really in general right now. Um, and they aren't doing the things that, that the Lord used the most in bringing me to him, meaning what we talked about earlier, that that, that juxtaposition between love but hard truth. Um, sin is sin. And if you look at the Gospels in the way that um, that Christ gave the truth to people, he would turn to a, a thousand people group, crowd, give hard truth, they would grumble and complain and walk away. 
You know, he didn't tickle anyone's ears. He didn't give people what they wanted to hear. Um, he said, to those you have ears, let them hear. Right, exactly. <laughs> Do that. Yeah. Be Believe it or not, be like Christ. Do Look at the Gospels, how he gave the truth to, to the people, and do that very thing, because it would have been detrimental for me if if the Frenches in that group did one or the other. If they just gave me love the way the world describes it, with no truth whatsoever, no backing. Another way that the other narrative challenges us to give right, it. Right, yeah. exactly. I wouldn't be... You know, with everything that God used in, in that in that whole dynamic, I wouldn't be here talking about this right now in the truth, in Christ, you know, hopefully encouraging people listening, even maybe some people who struggle with their sexuality themselves um, that are listening to this podcast, people all the way across the board, I wouldn't be here with that. But then at the same time, if they had told me to leave their house that day and not come back, and the, the next, the subsequent two years was without the gospel every Wednesday. That too, it, it would have been detrimental either way. Right. You can love people and give them the truth. In fact, from a biblical perspective, that's the only way to love people. Right. Um, James chapter 5, verse 20 talks about that. It paints that picture of turning people away from sin, covering that multitude of sins, and, and that being what love is. Do right. that. Yeah. That's what that's what brought me to Christ. That's what saved my soul. Obviously, it was God's work um, at the end of the day. But but be obedient. Be obedient to that call. Be bold. That's good. All right. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you with with something in in how um, you would share the gospel. So in in the context of what we're discussing, how would you specifically share the gospel as it relates to homosexuality? First of all, I would take. I would try to take it away from homosexuality as much as possible. Like you talked about, it's sin. We're sinners. There's this oneness to being in Christ and being a body of believers. That it, it, There's that unity there. And the second you separate people into drug addicts, murderers, um, idolaters, liars over here, adulterers, all these things, homosexuals over here, we're sinners. We have we there's a heart issue happening, and we all need to be reformed in that way in our hearts. The 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 phrase God wants me to be happy. Yeah, He does. He wants you to be happy, and He wants you to be joyous. Absolutely. Two issues with that. It's such an oversimplification, though. There's two issues with that statement. First of all, um, yes, when we the, the one of the biggest aspects of coming into relationship with Christ is that we will eventually dwell eternally with Him. In paradise, perfect fellowship, and yes, that will be a joyous thing. And so, yes, in that way, to him who is who can prevent you from stumbling, and is to present you holy and blameless before His glory in joy. Yes, joy is a thing; it's part of it. Yes, it's a package deal. By His grace, you are given that free gift, and you will experience internal joy. Yes, but one of the my first problem with that, God wants me to be happy. People aren't; they don't have their mind cast to eternity when they say that. Yeah, it's temporal. Yeah, it's this life. Yeah. No, well, no. Um, eternity is where you find your happiness and your your true joy, un unfiltered, um, unblemished joy. Um, and second of all, but even beyond that, okay, eternity. That's your first problem. Focus on that. Why is that not in the discussion? That's your right. first issue. Um, second of all, even in this life, sure, he wants you to be happy and joyous, but not in the things that naturally make you happy and joyous. Right. That's where the hard pill to swallow is, and that's where a lot of people that that cake starts to taste of ash 
when they turn it over in their mouth because because the whole point of it, Ephesians chapter 2 is one of the many places that talks about our nature as human beings, sons of disobedience, children of wrath by nature, dead in our trespasses and sins. He is pulling us out of that. The old, Like we referenced earlier, the old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. Yeah, he wants you to be happy. The issue is it's, it's not a painless process because he's going to change and renew the things that make you happy. He doesn't want you to be happy in your drug addiction. He doesn't want you to be happy in your sexual sin. He wants you to be happy in him and therefore be happy in the things that make him happy. But as we just said, yeah, holiness. Yeah, your happiness is holiness. That that's the I appreciate you making that distinction because that that is the the reality is that his his good for us when 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 he has our good in mind and and he wants us to be happy and joyous. It's us growing in godliness exactly. into the image of Christ. And um, I appreciate you making that distinction. Is that typically the happiness things that we like to focus on is it's it's the happiness of this world, the things of mm-hmm. this world that bring me happiness. Right. So that's good. Um, right. But God wants those things too in the sense that, yeah, they're gifts and they're good, but it's so much more than that. So that that's uh, that's good and I appreciate you sharing that. So how would you, just to wrap up, there's a couple more questions because we're, we're, uh, we're running long, uh, but it's okay. This is such a good conversation. So to the, to the parent who is talking with, you know, their kids and they're struggling with same-sex attraction, how would you encourage them, the the child or teen or, you know, whatever age range you want to use, but if they're struggling with same-sex attraction and they're going to their parent and they're saying like, you know, convinced that as you were kind of sharing earlier with your story, um, I, like this is who I am and, and like I'm, I'm trying to embrace it. How would you encourage them to start that conversation in a gospel sense? Yeah, point to Christ and what he says, what he talks about when it comes to your identity and who you are in Christ. Um, again, don't treat the topic of homosexuality or same-sex attraction as a thing that you have to put a hazmat suit on to even get near. Like it's not this gross, terrible thing, but at the same time, it does. it's not the focal point either. Christ is. So way what scripture says about what identity looks like and weigh the implications of what it looks like to have an identity in the God and creator of everything. And then maybe even compare that to what the world wants you to put your identity in. Like we talked about this, you know, this whole podcast, the the fickle things, the malleable and weak foundations that the world wants you to build your identity off of. Compare it. Compare what an identity in Christ, where that can take you, the joy you can find like I said, that happiness that he can formulate inside of you in this life and in eternity. Now compare that to being sexual and having all the sex that you want. It's a futile comparison. It's ridiculous if you really put two and two together. But also remember too, I can attest to this God's sovereignty, um, you know, proper soteriology. It's lo- it's the Lord's work. For those who don't know what soteriology is, <laughs> what, what, is what is soteriology? The, the, the doctrine of salvation and, what, and God's work in salvation. Yeah. It's his work. Um, in his timing and in um, his perfect plan, hearts are changed, but it's in his timing and his perfect plan. So just trust in him um, and realize too that he's, um, maybe he does want your child to be sanctified and grown and, and grown and changed in that conversation, but he wants you to be sanctified as well. So keep your eyes on him and within your walk with Christ, you have a responsibility to just, just trust him. Um, keep your eyes on him. Give every salt every single situation with scripture as you every every chance you get yeah 
and move and move forward in that way with your eyes fixated on him, not on your child as much as you love them. Um, that's not what being a disciple of Christ is. It's him. So focus on him, love on your child, um, go to those hard places if need be, but also don't provoke them to anger um, and just walk as he would want you to. That's really good. That's good. So again, thank you, Colton, for sharing your story and amazing testimony. And I'm so thankful for you and your testimony and yeah. thankful that I can call you a brother and I get to sit with you and, and chop up scripture and theology and, and, and watch you grow in that. It's, it's a true blessing. Um, and I would, I would encourage uh, those of you who are listening to, again, take heed to what Colton is saying. Um, these are difficult conversations and strong contours to, uh, to guide, but you know, the reality is, is the gospel is deep enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the gospel is deep enough. And, and I appreciate what you said, Colton, that, you know, um, as much as it is, you know, you concerned about the kid, you know, the, the kid who's wrestling with that, but as an apparent, like this is, this is just as much about you as it is about them. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, God's working on both simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good reminder. Um, again, I would encourage y'all to, uh, email us. Uh, you can email us at topics that speak the truth. Uh, you can also go to our website, speak to truth.org to, uh, just engage with us. If there's further things that you would like us to talk about, um, what I'd like to do is if I could get, uh, at least seven questions, um, and then I'm sure I'll get some questions that are consistent, but, uh, I want to get about seven questions as follow-up and then I'll have Colton back on and we can do a follow-up and, uh, speak to some specific things. Uh, we'll have the word open together and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll speak to some of these things again. Thank you guys for listening. Colton, thank you for being with us and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.